Stephanie. I'm here with Ashley and Jenna, and we are at the Bone Club. Um, last month, we talked a bit about schools and uh, a little bit about like what brought us into anthropology and what um, jobs and different things is kind of what we've talked about in the last couple episodes. Um, this episode, we really wanted to focus on field schools and conferences because that is a really big part of how we get to meet other people within the field because it is a really small field and we're kind of spread across not only the US, but Canada and other countries. Um, and so conferences and field schools are a really good way to bring the entire field together. Um, and so we just wanted to talk a little bit about that. Um, to start off, I really just wanted to say that field schools and conferences are both not only ways to meet people, but really learn what you enjoy about forensic anthropology because as you kind of have heard from the past uh, couple episodes and if you haven't watched it go listen um but there really is a large variety of interest in the field of forensic anthropology and so you can go to conferences that are about something as specific as forensic anthropology and um like bone anatomy or you can go and do a dentistry conference if you're really into teeth um, and they have taphonomy conferences and different things like that. And so you can really find your niche and what you really enjoy about uh, forensic anthropology. And field schools can do that as well, where like not everyone might like to do the field work. They might only want to do lab work and that's okay too. And field schools can really give you that opportunity to advance your education, but also figure out what you really enjoy about forensic anthropology and kind of the path you want to take. Um, I guess my first question to Ashley and Jenna is mainly just uh, what conferences have y'all attended and can you give me a little rundown of those conferences? Yeah, uh, so for me, I I attend conferences quite regularly. Um, I am an annual fixture and have been at uh, since about 2011 to both the American Academy of Forensic Sciences Conference as well as the American Association of Biological Anthropologists. I've also attended regularly the Canadian Association of Biological Anthropologists and have attended the American Association of Forensic, Anth uh, Forensic Science, as well as the American Association of Bone and Mineral Research. So have a number of conferences and then this Coming March, I'm attending the American Anatomical Association's conference where I'm giving a presentation there. So for me, conferences are an annual fixture. Uh, I actually have not attended any conferences. Uh, the way that my life was going and my finances were going at the while I was in my graduate studies uh, didn't quite allow me to do that. Uh, however, now that I'm all finished up, I'm excited to start looking into them. And so I, myself, I'm excited to hear from the two of you um, how this all works out and which ones to go to and how to get involved. Great. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one thing that, you know, someone who might be new to the field or even just like interested in maybe wanting to be a part of the field, I think conferences, while yes, as Jenna said, can be very expensive. Um, I think they really do give you a good opportunity to figure out where you want to be and if this is the field for you. Um, and so I know there are a bunch of different um, conferences that you can attend, but most of, if not all of them have opportunities for especially students to have like student discounts and you can work together with uh, the community of students within forensic anthropology to go to go have these on a hotel or stay at brothel uh not brothels wow that is the wrong word you can cut that out um hostels is what I was trying to say um so you can stay at hostels um I know I've done that before when I was in grad school just a cheap bed and just to get there um and you can also look at regional conferences because it can be very expensive to travel um, nationwide or internationally, but a lot of, uh, there are a lot of like very regional conferences that you can attend that are a little bit cheaper. Um, and then that can give you a foothold into maybe going into a bigger conference later down the line. Um, I personally have only ever gone to AFS, which is the American Academy of Forensic Sciences 
Um, it just happened to be that that was the first conference that I wanted to go to was an hour away from my hometown. So it made it really simple. I stayed at my grandma's, you know, it was all cheap. <laughs> I was definitely very, very lost. My first uh, AFS meeting, I knew very little about forensic anthropology. I ended up walking into a workshop that I did not pay for. Um, so, so sorry, AFS, please don't <laughs> make me pay now. Um, this 2017? It was... Yeah, New Orleans, 2017. Uh, yeah, I had, I went because it was really close to my hometown. And so I was like, I'll go see what it's all about. Not realizing that a majority of like the conference conferences that aren't like extra money to go to workshops and stuff are like the Wednesday to Friday. And I showed up on the Monday and was just like walking around trying to figure out anything because I was so lost as I feel like many students are on their first conferences. And I walked by, I saw a sign that was talking about uh, body farms. And I was like, how super cool. Cause I had only, you know, just learned what forensic anthropology was. And I was like, I want to know more about body farms. How fantastic. Walked in, sat down. No one else was in the room. My ignorant behind decided to sit um, in the head chair. So I was at the end of the table everyone walked in thought I was someone important and I was definitely not I knew nothing about anything and went you know went through the whole workshop asked so many questions because I was just like trying to take in as much information as possible which I think is a really good thing to do at conferences um just to really try to just like embrace it all and try to learn and ask as many questions as you can um and then after the workshop ended I met up with my advisor at the time and she was like, so what have you been up to? Whatever, whatever. And I was like, oh, I went to this like thing about body farms. And she was like, oh, you paid for a workshop? And I was like, no, no, I didn't. That's what awesome. I'm supposed to. My, my bad. Um, so I might be the reason that AFS now checks who goes into their workshops. Um, but <laughs> that's okay. Um, that's so good. Yeah, it was, so I guess just like advice for anyone who hasn't gone to conferences, you know, it's okay to make mistakes. <laughs> like things happen, just, you know, embrace it. It can be a very daunting task to go to conferences because you're just like surrounded by so many people and then like names that you've read articles about and things like that, that you just like never actually put a face to the name. They've just been like this elusive person. Um and then you like go up and you're like, hi, I'm, you know, I'm Stephanie. And they're like, okay, because they're just a normal person too. And they don't realize like how like idolized you had made them. Um, <laughs> but I definitely think that it's getting better. I know at least for the conference that I usually go to, they've been trying to work uh, more towards making it a more inclusive space in order to not have that like power dynamic of like, the person that's big and has published a lot versus students um i do think that will always kind of be there just a little bit because of academia it, um it will be but uh it's you no know, ass is getting better but if you really want to see a conference where that dynamic is not there the american association of biological anthropologists really has it down perfectly um, AAFS still has a rather large contingent of people that believes that it's not for students. Right. Um, it's getting better. There's a lot of, I don't want to say younger people, but um, in essence, younger people, uh, early career, mid-career individuals that are fighting hard just to make it a student-friendly place. So are yeah. there conferences, say there are people who are listening who are not students and who are not planning on being students, but are super fascinated by anthropology or forensic anthropology or forensic science in general. Are there conferences that somebody who's just a lay person or someone who's an aspiring student or somebody who's already graduated could go and feel comfortable with attending? Uh, yes, actually there are. There are a number of regional conferences 
that are a little bit more open to outsiders. Um, AFS is not. Okay. If you had yeah. to recommend one, what would you pick? If if I have to recommend, if if you are a, well, it, it depends. If you are a student, you're already a student, even if you're just an undergraduate student with a passing interest in forensic anthropology or forensic science in general, I would, if you have a contingent of other students with you, I would go to the American Academy of Forensic Sciences. Um, if you are more interested, if you're not sure what area of anthropology you want to go to, I would recommend the American Association of Biological Anthropologists. Right. Or if you're in Canada, the CABAs, the Canadian Association of Biological Anthropologists. Uh, both AABAs and CABAs are very student friendly. You get a, a wide range of what anthropology is. Uh, AABAs also has a lot of different affiliated societies. For example, one of the comp uh, sort of mini conferences I go to when I'm at the AABAs is the Paleopathology uh, Association, PPAs. So that's sort of a conference within a conference, and it's just on paleopathology and trauma. So if you're a student and you're not sure what your niche is, what, what area you want to study, then I would go to the ABAs. If you're sure you want to study forensic science, if you're sure you are a, you are a grad student in the forensic anthropology program, I would go to AAFS. I definitely would go to AAFS. Yeah, I think... A lot of the field, especially the forensic part of our field, really like puts AAFS on um, like a pedestal a little bit where like if you want to be someone in the field, you're generally a part of AFS. Um, now, it shouldn't necessarily be that way, but I do think that's kind of how the field is. It is changing rapidly. There has yeah. been... Uh, one thing that needs to be said is that there have been a lot of grumblings, a lot of really bad grumblings about AFS and the politics within AFS. Right. What's going on behind the scenes. And I think another opportunity that you could potentially look at if you're trying to get into the field, trying to learn something about the field, just trying to meet some people, but maybe you don't have the funds to travel or you don't have the time to like take off you know a whole week for a conference um there's also smaller conferences i know sofa kind of does some that uh which is the society of forensic anthropologists that they usually tack on to either aabas or afs that's just like a one day situation um and then there's also it started last year and they're doing another one this year um it's just like a forensic anthropology conference um that is free and it is online as well. So if you're someone who can't travel or you're choosing not to because of whatever reason, um, that could be a really good opportunity to not only meet a couple other people within the field, because it's definitely a smaller type of conference because it's relatively new, um, but to meet some people and to learn something about forensic anthropology from a group of people who really thought that having a more accessible type of conference was necessary, which I think does lend to it being a more inclusive space in order to have, you know, a student who doesn't know anything walk up and be able to ask those questions without feeling scared of like saying the wrong thing to the wrong person or whatever. Um, I also think uh, it's really good where this is slightly off topic from conferences, but it can really give you a good idea of what conferences people are planning on going to. There are quite a few different um, like Facebook groups or Slack communities or things like that that you can um, meet with other students um, or just other people within the field and kind of ask those questions of like, who's going to which conference? Or I'm going to ask, does anyone want to share a room so we can split it and you know, whatever. Um, and there's definitely those opportunities. I know there's a student forum on 
the on Facebook and I think there's an early career forum as well. Um, so you can really get more into the field and seeing where conferences are or even field schools too. You know, it's a space to ask a lot of questions about all of those types of things um, to make you feel less isolated if you're, you know, the lone person from your school or someone who's not a part of a school going to these types of conferences. You can meet up or at least chat with some people beforehand. Um, my recommendation for conferences is also to usually conferences will post what posters and presentations and stuff are happening beforehand. Um, and then you can reach out to those authors individually. Usually there's like a email correspondence or something like that, that you can reach out to them. Um, that way you kind of have a dialogue already open. So then when you go to the conference, you can be like, Hey, I'm Stephanie. I'm the one that emailed you about X, Y, Z. And then you don't feel necessarily as scared to have those interactions because it can be very daunting to go to conferences. Um, and that's coming from someone like me who is ridiculously outgoing and showed up at the conference by myself. So like, I definitely think there are ways you can go and do conferences and it be less intimidating. Um, but yeah, I would say, I don't know, Ashley, if you have any tips and tricks for conferences to make it less intimidating or less, I don't know. The, just the biggest thing is that for me is go with a group. Mm -hmm. Go with a group. If if you are in a cohort of, you know, even just four or five people, try to go to pick a conference between you all and go as a single group. But I really do think you need to go to a conference. You, you need to see what sort of research is going on, what is being talked about in the field. Because what you have to remember is looking at Pick a journal, any journal, in a given year, they may have, with the exception of the journal Forensic Anthropology, uh, they may have five or six, uh, maybe up to 10 Forensic Anthropology articles, articles directly related to them. When you go to the conference, you have dozens, depending upon the conference that you go to, sometimes even hundreds. You know, at, at AFS, you're looking at hundreds of papers. Right. So you get a wide breadth of what the field is researching and how they are researching, right. rather than what you get out of a journal. So yeah. I, I also think that, like, looking at those types of like papers and like really that breadth of knowledge that is coming out of conferences, a lot of those don't end up getting published because maybe, you know, it's a very small, uh, I'm so sorry if you can hear my dog, she is squeaking all of her toys. Uh, but I think conferences like show that breadth of knowledge that really is coming out of the field um, where you might have a smaller project that like isn't quite enough to make a whole journal article about, or it would have been a technical note, but someone, you know, they decided they didn't feel like dealing with the publication process or whatever. Um, and it really Which gives you a nightmare in its of itself. <laughs> right. We can maybe talk about that next month, <laughs> but it's definitely an opportunity to just broaden your horizons a bit. I know when I go to AFS, at least, I mean, I love listening to all the forensic anthropology things, but I like going to the the dentistry talks or the pathology talks or things like that, where you really learn kind of how forensic anthropology and how like our field can be used in other fields and like what other fields are interested in learning as well. Because, I mean, I know we talked about this before, but like anthropology really is such a broad sweeping topic that knowing how you fit into that broader system is really important and then can help you decide what type of research you want to do. Or if maybe you'll talk to someone, you ask a question and they're like, I never thought about that. Let's do research together. Um, I know I personally, literally this morning, got an email from someone um, in London that was like, I'm coming to AFS and I saw your poster and I noticed that you did X, Y, Z and I really want to talk with you. Do you mind meeting up one day? And so just doing those types of things where I'm like, 
hundred percent. I want more friends. Why not? Like, uh, and so I think really just like stepping out of your comfort zone a little bit in that way can be really beneficial. Um, definitely for just personal growth, but also for career growth. If that's, if forensic anthropology is the career you want to go into. Um, and I guess that kind of segues a, a little bit that career growth path to field schools as well, which is the other topic we kind of wanted to discuss. Um, but I wanted to open up to make sure that if y'all had any other last minute thoughts about conferences or any questions, uh, Jenna, about what conferences are, what they can do, um, I'll open that up now before we move on. Uh, yeah, I think that covered it. All of the, like having a bunch of different options, the one dayers, the week longers, the the different options for what you're interested in if you're a student or not. I think those are great. And a lot of conferences, they do have student discounts and they also have volunteer opportunities where your registration fee is covered and you volunteer for an afternoon. Yes. Or more. I did that the the year that I went to AFS for um like to conduct my thesis research. Uh that's what I did. I couldn't afford to go by myself because grad school is expensive and we're all broke, right? Uh, and so I volunteered to man the poster session, which literally just meant I made sure that the posters were up and then make sure that they got taken down at the end of the poster session. And that was all I did. And it paid for my registration. And so, you know, that was $400 or whatever the registration was at that time that I didn't have to pay um, just because I volunteered some of my time. And so that can be a really good opportunity as well. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, and so, so do you need to be a student to be a volunteer or could anybody volunteer? Uh, you need to be a student to volunteer. It, it depends on the conference you go to, but for the American Academy of Forensic Sciences, you need to be a student to volunteer. But that does, I think there's, I know at least within this last year, and so some of this might change, um, there's some stipulations as far as like what's a student what's not a student so like I know you just were graduating Jenna so like I think your student affiliation lasts for like a year or something after you graduate um so kind of look into what those stipulations are as well because I think definitely uh at least for apps for the forensic anthropology section we're trying to make it a little bit more inclusive um doing our best, you know, change is slow moving as always, but trying to make it a little bit easier for people to, to volunteer, to show up, to actually be a part of that community. Um, yeah. Cause tragically I was in the heat of COVID for much of my degree. So there weren't a lot of options. Yeah. And I think, I think COVID really did show a lot of conferences, how simple it could be to go virtual where um which is kind of how this like forensic anthropology um the like one day uh conference thing that I was talking about earlier uh kind of came about where it's like you can have a conference sure to meet in person if you're you know already at the conference because I think for forensic anthropology it's like the day the Tuesday of AFS so it's like you can go in person if you want but you can get just as much out virtually and I think COVID while obviously horrible in a lot of situations really did showcase how technology can make things so inclusive and accessible to a lot of people. Um, but yeah, so I guess we'll move on to that next topic for uh, today's little podcast, which is field schools. I know I personally haven't done a field school. I'm trying to do one this summer. I sent in my application, so fingers crossed that I get in. Um, so I kind of I have lots of questions uh, personally, but I guess I wanted to open it up to Ashley and Jenna because I know uh, y'all both had said that you participated in a field school in some manner. So I wanted to open it up to y'all to kind of give your thoughts on field schools and what field schools you've done and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah Ashley, if you want to start by with the difference between like academic related ones and then external. Yeah, um, most of mine have been academic related ones i've i've been a student and i've i've also been an um uh, sort of an instructor a ta for our field schools but there's two different types 
One is, as you know, as Jenna said, there's academic types. These are the ones that are associated uh, internally within universities. So they're just like any other class, only they are compacted into a few weeks or into a month period rather than scattered throughout an entire semester. And they are what they say. They are in the field. You are doing physical work in the field. Um, and then you have other sort of courses which are kind of like short courses. They're also one-month periods. They're also affiliated with different universities and academic institutions, but they are open to the public almost, if you will. They're, they're not limited to internally students associated with that university. So it depends, they, they're both schools um, have benefits. Both schools have some drawbacks. Both schools cost a lot of money. Uh, not a lot, a lot of money, but they're not cheap either, depending upon if you're looking at a U.S. or some other institution. But they are excellent ways to get to know the field, to get to know the uh, what fields field work is like, and including what that lab work is like. And they're not just limited to forensic anthropology. You also have archaeology field schools, bioarchaeology field schools. Most of the field schools are actually bioarc and, and other related sort of things. But you can use those for internal things or for, for forensics as well. Um, one of my mentors and, and a good friend of mine, uh, Dr. John Bethard, he runs a field school, I believe it's in Transylvania. I believe that's where it is, on juvenile osteology that I highly recommend to people, hey, if you can take this field school, go do this field school because it's a really good one. Maybe we can post the link to some of these in our bio. Yeah. In our episode bio. I say we can definitely do that. And I know we can post this link as well. There's a forensic anthropology community site. It's like a Google site. Um, we can definitely post the link to it, but there's a page within that website that lists a lot of, um, I guess more well-known uh, field schools that happen, but also like if you are giving a field school and it's not as well-known or it's cheaper, because let's be real, we always want cheaper. <laughs> um, you can send the website has a, a Gmail link at the bottom that you can send and we'll update the website as um, as needed with different conferences because that community site is really just a way to kind of disseminate information altogether um, because a lot of times field schools and even conferences and stuff you know they each have their own websites which are very useful but if you don't know what to look up then you're kind of just lost and so then you're just like googling forensic anthropology school and you'll get so much information and it's a little hard to wrap your brain around them sometimes um and i think that forensic anthropology oh, community oh. Site does a good job of Kind of condensing information to be like this is what it is this is where it is here's the contact information if you want it um all in one succinct location um i know for myself i happen to learn about the field school that i'm trying to like i sent my application for and we'll see if i get in but uh i'm doing it kind of how ashley was saying is someone from the general public kind of like I'm in the field but I'm not a student um and so I'll be essentially applying to that university as a non-degree seeking student like status that way I can take this field school credit course um and you're not wrong they can be very very expensive but I do think at least most field schools try to do their best to try and limit how much their students have to pay because they're aware school's expensive, travel's expensive, things like that. So I know the field school that I'm looking into, while you have to pay for your credits and you have to pay for your plane ticket over there, they give you a food stipend for the month that you're there and they give you the hotel that you're supposed to stay in. And so they try to cut down on cost as best as possible um, for their students. And so it really just kind of depends on the field school, what kind of funding they have, because as we've kind of talked about in other in the other podcasts, 
the field of forensic anthropology is a little bit broke. Um, so it's kind of hard to, you know, disseminate cheapness down to its students when, you know, the people that are running the field are also broke. But I do think that we try our best to do a good job with that. Um, and then you can also look into um, some closer field schools um, in your region or potentially at your university itself that the field school is, you know, in the backyard of that university. So like you're not having to necessarily travel too far or um, whatever. I know the one that I'm trying to do is in Germany. So that makes it definitely a little bit more expensive um, because I am halfway across the world in Hawaii from there. But uh, it really just kind of depends what you're looking at. And there's a lot of opportunity for that. Um, for myself, why I wanted to do this field school was because I haven't had the opportunity in my you know career path so far to do a lot of like long-term field work. I've done some cultural resource management, which essentially meant I was shovel bumming. <laughs> For anyone who doesn't know what that term is, essentially you're digging a shovel size hole, both width and depth and hope to find something, but generally don't find anything. Um, and so I really wanted to brought in my expertise as far as archaeology methods are concerned. Um, and I think field schools are a really good opportunity for that. Um, I also think talking to people that have done field, like those specific field schools in the past are really important because some field schools kind of use their students like shovel bums or just sifters, which while it's still very good experience and looks fantastic on a resume regardless, um, you don't learn as much in some field schools like that, but then there's other field schools that do a really good job of like making sure the students are learning each step and why we're doing things a certain way. Um, and I think knowing the field school is important to try to gauge what you're actually gonna get from the field school. Yeah, our field school is a really good one at the University of Toronto, Mississauga. The students, it, it's an internal field school, so you have to be a part of the, the UTM department to participate. But basically in the, the short period part of the field school, the students learn how to uh, search, uh, excavate, recover, document a whole set of human remains. And then there's a lab component as well as to how do you process these remains? What are some of the what are some of the aspects of processing? And with these field components, with these field schools, you typically have both a lecture component and then an infield component as well. So it's not just, hey, here you go. You actually learn how to do this stuff. Yeah, yeah, you will never learn more than you will in those few weeks, at, especially in the program that's offered at, at the University of Toronto, Mississauga. Um, there's something about learning things in a textbook and then being thrown into um, kind of this, the field and being your own kind of guide. Like you have to be the one who makes all the decisions and it's you'll never learn more than in a field school, I would say. Yeah, that was, I know for me, that's kind of one of the things that I'm hoping to get the most out of because I am someone who does not learn well via textbook. It is just, I could read the page a hundred times and be like, sure, that made sense. And then someone asked me a question and I know nothing. Um, and so I'm, I'm very much a tactile learner and just like have to be physically active and doing the thing. And so field schools for me was that like wanting to get that out of it. Um, I guess one of my major questions is for someone looking into doing a field school or thinking, oh, maybe I want to do some type of field work. What are some tips and tricks y'all have as far as like preparing yourself? Because not many people every day do nine, 10 hours of manual labor every day. Uh, I guess just like what 
what did y'all do to prepare? And then like, now that you've, you know, on the other side of the field school, like things that you wish you would have done to prepare for field schools, because I have all the questions. <laughs> um, for me, I, I would say if I could do it over again, I would hit the gym a few weeks <laughs> before I did the field school. I would definitely hit the gym a few weeks before. Um, it's not so much lifting weights, but you need that physical exertion. Yeah, your body, your body goes through some things. You you need that physical exertion. Yeah. Um, that would be the biggest thing, honestly. As far as preparing yourself sort of mentally and, and academically, there are some things that you can do to read up and just make sure you know what you're talking about and, and whatnot. But the truth is, like I said, you're going to get the lecture. You're going to get that no matter what. So it doesn't matter if you come in with a lot of knowledge or if you come in with none. But you do need to be physically ready to participate. Right. Because your body will ache. <laughs> and you will be exhausted. And you will, when it goes for so many days straight, like you don't get to recover. You don't get to rest. Your body just has to keep taking it. And yeah. also prepare yourself to, I don't want to say lose friends, but get close to the brink because it is such hard work and you are sort of working with people, personalities clash like you wouldn't imagine. And the number of times I've, you know, I've, been sort of a field demonstrator, been, been one of these teaching assistants for um, our field school since 2014. And I've worked with groups that have really close friendships. And by the end of the week, they're not even speaking to each other. Now, at, a few weeks later, they're back to being best friends again. It's just... You have to get in there and get recognized that personalities will clash, particularly when it's really hot and everybody's tired and exhausted from working out. So don't take anything personal. Yeah, I think if the one lesson that I would take from it in terms of like, how can you be prepared? Like you really can't fully be. And as a recovering perfectionist, um, I wanted to be it, like perfectly prepared and you can't be, and things are going to go wrong and you're going to forget things. And, but, and it's, you just have to be ready to forgive yourself, move forward every day. As Ted Lasso would say, be a goldfish, forget in 30 seconds <laughs> and just move on to the next thing. Um, try not to be totally stressed out the whole time and try to have fun with it because at the end of the day, you can't be fully prepared. And that's kind of the point, like you're going into it to learn. And so just be prepared to learn. I think that's what I would, uh, going from the student to the teaching assistant, that was a big thing that I, I had so much more fun as a teaching assistant because I took the pressure off myself um, and I already knew what was coming for me and for the students. Um, but yeah, you can never be 100% prepared and that's okay. I think is the big lesson to that I should, I would have taken. No, I like, I like that exactly. a lot. I am, I'm with you on the recovering perfectionist thing. Cause talking to like my friends that I'm like trying to tell them that like, I'm trying to do this field school and I'm trying to do this, 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 and this. And they're just like, just go. And I was like, I can't just go. <laughs> so I definitely. That's it's good advice. Who knows how much I'll listen to it because I know myself, but do my best to listen we said to recovering. it. We're recovering. We're <laughs> recovering. We're not there yet. Okay. We're recovering. Um, and then I guess another question that I had as far as like field schools are concerned is like was after doing the field schools for both of y'all, 
did you find that you enjoyed it? Like, did you find you enjoyed field work? Or was that like a sign for you to be like, nah, lab works it. That's all I want. Um, Cause that's kind of like, I did some CRM, which is field work, but it was, you know, you go work and then you go sit in a hotel and you'll be fine. And it's a week long at a time, or at least all the projects that I did. So like, it was never too exhausting and too, like, I don't know, anything too pressurized, I guess, for myself. Um, but now I'm at the point, like, in my career where I'm like, I want to do field work. I want to go do these excavations and I want to go do whatever. And then I'm like, actually, do I? I don't, I don't know. I've never done it. So I'm hoping this field school will give me that clarity. But I guess I was just wondering, did y'all find you liked it? Oh yeah, I love it. I love all of it. Um, I also, I have a restaurant background, so I'm used to my body just hating me for abusing it for hours on end. Um, and it's, there are days when you hate it because you're not getting anything. So there's no like reward at the end of it. There's no like little dopamine spike that you get because you found something. So there are days when you're just like, this is so frustrating because you just keep busting. Um, and so I would say lab work is more like consistently rewarding. Um, but on those, uh, at those moments when you do get something, it's like, yeah, so good. <laughs> How about you, Ashley? For me? it's both it's yeah you you love it but you love it at the end you don't <laughs> love it at the beginning. in the beginning you are gung-ho you're ready to go by the middle of the field school by the middle of your excavation season you're ready to throw in the towel you are completely done but by the end of it you're back to loving it again because hey you've achieved something you've accomplished something that's the same thing for me with lab work, too. Right, thinking about lab work. Doing the lab work is fun. But a lot of the stuff that comes before that is, oh, God. So what, what I find is you love it at the end. You don't love it in the middle. Yeah, I would agree with that. That's good advice. Yeah. Cause I guess I feel like everyone that I've talked to that's like done field schools and did all the whatever, they just are like so enthralled by their field school experience and are just like, they're like, oh, I still talk to all my field school buddies. And like, we have this connection that we just like get each other and whatever, whatever. And I'm like, is that a trauma response? Are you all just <laughs> connected via trauma? Um, but okay. <laughs> no, it, it's, it actually, you, you stay in touch with your friends. You stay in touch with the people that you work with. The experience lasts with you. Now it is sort of a mini trauma response because it is a difficult thing, but you do build a friendship. You do build relationships doing these field schools and they stick with you for a very long time or I, you know, people that when I did my very first field school, it was an archeological field school. This was in 2009. I still talk to the people that I worked with that were in, in my pit. We, we, we still chat quite frequently, but that was another one where, you know, if you ask us in the middle of the field school, we would have said, we hate this. But at the end of the end of the field school, hey, we absolutely love this. So much so we both did it again the next year. <laughs> I like it. Did y'all, I guess, prior to, besides just like suggesting going to the gym, right? Um, were y'all people that liked like camping and outdoors things or yeah you need to be like you need to be someone who likes getting a little dirty and who like can find the enjoyment of what nature is gonna throw at you because it's not always nice the year that I was a student in it we did it in the fall and you were just getting like pelted by acorns and it was wet the whole time so you were muddy the whole time and like you have to be I grew up in a like at my trailer in the woods so I 
I was also mentally prepared for that. But yeah, you, yeah, I would say. <laughs> I would say, I guess, for myself and also for, sorry, I feel like I'm just asking so many questions, but for me and for anyone who's interested, you know, listening that might want to go to a field school, um, besides like physical and mental preparation, are there things that you suggest people bring to the field school? Like, I know like a lot of times field schools will give lists of like, you know, at least three pairs of work pants and long sleeve shirts and short sleeve shirts and work boots and things like that. But like things that might not necessarily be on that, like packing list that you're like, oh, this was so useful. I wish, like, I wish I would have had this or I did bring it and everyone was so jealous that I had this one thing or whatever. Um, not really. The, about the closest, it, it, it depends on the field school. It depends on where the field school is. And being prepared for that particular climate, for that particular environment. Yeah, um, dress for the weather. Yeah, yeah it, it really is dressed for the weather. Um, I would not wear jeans. Style yeah. is not... Like you are, you do not need to look cute when you are in the field, like function over fashion always. Yeah. I like it. I like it. And so I have short hair or bangs. My big thing was bandanas. I have fringe for most of my life um, and I hate wearing hats. So like know yourself, um, you are, you want your hair out of your face and you don't want to be like the dirtiest squirrel out there. Um, so like know yourself. If you don't like hats, figure out what you do like, you know, just dress for the weather make sure you're keeping an eye on it and know that uh the one thing i would recommend if you have the money invest in a good water bottle one that'll keep cold all day yeah and and something with a straw is also nice because if somebody if you're really gross and you don't want to touch it then being waterfalled water is less pleasant than just like having a straw like a built-in straw. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Yeah. I mean, I guess those are my main questions for myself. Um, if y'all have any other last minute things, I know we're kind of coming up on about an hour for this uh, podcast and I want to be respectful of y'all's time as well. And everyone who's listening, we want to appreciate, you know, we really appreciate y'all being here and listening to my blabbering. Um <laughs> But if y'all have any last minute uh, advice or anything that you feel like, oh, I wish I would have said this, uh, you can do that now. No, I I highly recommend going to field schools if you can. Um, you need to learn if this is the right job for you. And it, even if you don't like field school, it doesn't mean you don't have to be in this field. There are lab rats and there are field mice. <laughs> Some of us are both. Some of us prefer to be one or the other. No, I think that's that's a really good a really good point where use this as an opportunity to figure out yourself, essentially. Yeah, and I think you can never really know if that kind of high pressure environment is for you until you're in it. Right. And you can't know if getting dirty every day is something that you're into or, you know, torturing your poor body. Um, So you just try. That's all I would say is try. And no matter what, try to have as much fun with it as you can. Um, Like do your best, but just have fun and learn. Don't be so stressed out that you don't learn. (laughs) All right. Well, I think that just about covers it for, uh, this episode um we definitely want you to come back maybe listen to other episodes if you haven't already um and maybe next time we'll talk about uh presentations or publications or um different things we'll try to put it out there what um we're going to discuss next month uh before we do but until next time this is the bone club thanks for being here presentations and publications actually would be a pretty good one because Stephanie, you have a presentation coming up in two weeks. I do. I have one coming up in a month. And I've got two publications. One is just about ready to be put out there. And the other one is 
undergoing its revisions right as we speak. So it's a that that would be a great good topic. Yeah, I think I think so too, especially after the presentations. We'll be able to say, this was what went well. This is what went. <laughs> do not do this. <laughs> um, things like that. Um, but also, if you're listening and you're thinking about, to yourself like, oh, I might want more information about field schools, or I might want more information about conferences. If you have any questions, feel free to email us or just like reach out because we're more than happy to get that information out there to you. Um, and then, you know, we're just three people. We might not know the answer, but we can definitely figure out the answer and get it to you. Um, so just don't hesitate to reach out. And if you're all going to AFS, I will see you in two weeks. Uh, feel free to reach out and come be my friend, please. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye, all.